Hello and welcome back to Touching Base PR Edition. My name is Jamie and I am still your host. In today's episode, I have an interview with Jenna Warner, who is an Instagram educator and social media manager. And honestly, we just have a super cool chat because she actually majored in musical theater in college. So we talk about kind of finding your path and finding your way and getting into PR, even when you're not going to school for PR. So I think it's a really fun episode that I definitely recommend for anyone that really isn't majoring in PR because it's attainable no matter what you're doing. Before we hop into the episode, let's talk about personal and professional highlights for the week. My professional highlight for the week is honestly just kind of figuring out things that I want to do with my life and my career and my career goals. So obviously I want to work in communications. That's why I have this show. But I also definitely want to have a bunch of different side hustles and all of that because I am kind of like a person that just needs to be doing so much. Um, So professionally, I decided that I do want to do something in the group fitness realm because I did get my group fitness instructor certification. So I've realized that I like to plan workouts and all of that. So I'm going to start planning workouts and putting them like up on YouTube and eventually hopefully be able to do like live classes and things like that. So definitely just making money as with that as a side hustle. So definitely a good professional highlight for the week. On a personal note, I kind of feel like I've just become a lot more confident in my like style and myself this week. I don't know if that's weird, but I've just been really happy with, like, outfits I've been putting together and, like, things I've been buying and all of that, and I don't know if that's, like, weird to me, but I'm just, like, a confident human being. I've always been confident, but I'm, like, actually feeling confident in, like, the outfits I'm putting together and all of that, and I don't know. It's weird, but personal highlight for the week. All of that being said, I want to hop right into this interview with Jenna, but I also just want to remind you guys to follow me on Instagram at touchingbase underscore PR because so many exciting things are coming. But let's get right into this episode with Jenna. Jenna, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Jenna Warner. I'm an Instagram educator and a social media manager up here in Canada. Amazing. So first, let's do our hot seat segment. So the first question that I want to know from you is what is one of your favorite quotes? Ooh, um, I really like anything with imagery of like water and boats and things like that. So my favorite quote, and I might even butcher it, but the essence will be there, is she she stood in the storm and when the wind did not blow her away she adjusted her sails something along those lines no but that's so le- nice i love that recognizing like like adjusting your sails not letting the wind blow you away like i think that's a very important life lesson yeah i like well, to picture just, this like, a pretty quote this like strong woman and she's standing there and the wind's going crazy but she's still grounded and standing still and realizing that you're still alive you're still thriving the storm's just happening around you so adjust yeah and I think that's definitely the lesson that all of us needed this past year with COVID and all of that and not even just the past year past year and two months now definitely it's been a whirlwind so definitely important to remember to keep on going and just adjust your adjust your perspective yeah great point (laughs) So now my second question for you is what would you do if you won the lottery? Mm, Well, my partner and I like to talk about this all the time. 
And I really like this as a thought experiment because I think when you think about, not to get like too deep, but (laughs) when you're like, oh, if I had a million dollars, I would do this. I like to then say, why not do that now? Or what steps can you take to then to just do that Mm -hmm. now? Or maybe you realize like my, my partner, I was like, if you didn't need to work, what would you do? And his answer was, I don't know, volunteer. (laughs) So it really teaches you a lot about yourself. So, uh, we would buy real estate in a bunch of different places. Mm -hmm. And so real estate in Hawaii for our parents to go to and real estate in Vancouver on the West coast, because we just love it there. Uh, and real estate in both provinces where his parents are and where my parents are, we would just like buy homes everywhere and then travel between them. Yeah. I love it. I think the other day, my boyfriend was like, you know, maybe we should just get a really, really crappy apartment and then put all of our money into real estate elsewhere. And then we rent that out. So we make money from there, but then we also have places to go and travel. And I was like, okay, I'm down. Yep. Why not, man? If you can. So now switching gears and moving into um, social media and that whole side of you, let's first talk about where you went to school and what you got your degree in. Ha. (laughs) I got my degree in musical theater because that's a natural trajectory to go from musical theater to PR and marketing, right? (laughs) I was, uh, I was into musicals all growing up. I took every dance class. I took every, anything I do, I really do hard. So I, I got into the best musical theater school in Canada. I was like gung ho. And then I got out there into the world and I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't successful at it and I wasn't enjoying it. And for someone who likes to work really, really hard and take control of her life and her surroundings, please see exhibit B, my quote that I just shared. I didn't like that. I didn't have any control over my own success. I could try everything, but there were still elements that were just out of my control. Yeah. I definitely think a musical theater degree is my best friend just uh, graduated with her BFI in musical theater. Um, So it's definitely something that like you really have to be all in on it. Um, because after you graduate, if you're not all in, it's going to be hard for you to find success in that field. But what from your degree do you think you've learned and that you use in your life? Right. Well, one of the things that, (laughs) one of the things that they teach you when you're coming up as an actor, which I mean, I, I did it for 10 years on top of growing up in, in the arts, uh, is that you have to make your own work. So, I was all about that. I'm like, okay, if you tell me to do it, I'll do it. You tell me to take that class, I'll take that class. Anything, I'll do. So I wrote a show with a friend and we put it out on tour and we were touring across the country and nobody was coming. We were singing to empty seats, as they say, but we were getting a ton of press because I knew that one of the things that I needed to do was promote us on promote us in press and promote us in social media so we were on the cover of the art section of um I think most of your listeners are American so I won't list off like Canadian cities but we did great we did some breakfast television lots of newspaper Mm -hmm. placements stuff like that uh and still nobody was coming (laughs) 
So I, I realized that a lot of the press, I would then amplify on social media, but all of my social media followers were back in Toronto, which isn't the cities that we were in. So it wasn't converting into tickets, but it really made me realize that I had a knack for all of this stuff for PR and for public image in general, that had just been inherently inside me from growing up in the entertainment industry. And you know what I think it is? I think that every degree you get, no matter if you take classes focused on PR or focused on marketing or focused on whatever, I think every degree is preparing you in some way for something that you're eventually going to do because it's really those like smaller lessons that you learn within your degree. So like you said, with musical theater, like kind of making your own work. And I think that that's a really important lesson. And I know for me, like I got an English degree. So the thing I learned from my English degree is learning how best to support my ideas. So I think that really diving in is that you don't need to have a PR degree to be successful in this industry, but you need to think about what you've learned and how you can apply it. Absolutely. And so many people that I graduated with have gone on to incredible careers. And I think a lot of it is we all know how to sell ourselves. We know Mm -hmm. how to pitch ourselves and we know how to show up when we're really scared with a lot of charisma and confidence, no matter what situation that we're in and know how to sort of turn that on everything that an actor goes through. It's like, you're always in a hot seat. You are always like literally performing and pouring your soul out for people that are judging you and sitting behind an audition panel exhausted and you need to come in there and be the person who like brings the flavor and brings the fun into the room so I mean it really sets you up to be able to excel in other other worlds other careers and I think so much of what you need to learn is confidence I think that that is like something that so many people struggle with and that's what's holding so many people back. It's not that people don't have the skill set to do something. It's not that people don't know how to do something. It's that they're too scared to just go ahead and do it. Right. And in, in theater, you know, you get really used to no's. And even if you're not receiving those no's, everyone's warning you about no's. So it kind of takes the power away from no's. Like you're going to tell us no, and you're not right for this. You're not right for this. You're not right for this. And I'm going to still have to get up the next morning and go out and try again. I think it really puts that kind of fight in you. Right. I think that something with theater, I did musical theater all throughout my high school career and all of that. But I think that the biggest thing with musical theater is like, even when you don't get the opportunity you want, you have to get back up and you have to try for a new opportunity or make the best of your situation or do something to continue on you can't just put your life on pause because of that no and that's really important yeah absolutely and it's like inherently ground into you yeah so tell me about um so you did this show you realized that you kind of had a knack for press and all of that so what did you do after that how did you get to where you are now well after that discovery because it really was sort of a slow first I was like oh maybe PR maybe social media I'm not sure where this is going but it seems like I can just go with this energy instead of constantly fighting like I was in musical theater and film and television Uh, so I started just looking for every resource I could find so any every YouTube video every article books podcasts and then that led me to a school in Toronto that teaches 
skills and it's not a university it's not a college it sort of like lives in this world of continuing education it's called brain station and they had a two-month digital marketing program so I thought okay well let me dive into this so I can get a feel for the landscape so if I, I know a lot about social media and on the weeks that we focused on social media I think I might have known more than the teachers at that point <laughs> but that's where I understood like I wrote in my journal, publicist, growth hacking, just sort of trying to find my way. And then I know you wanted to talk about internships and that's not a huge thing up here in Canada, mm -hmm. but that sort of led me to this really cool, lucky fate thing that happened, which was where I told maybe five random people that I was thinking about being a publicist. And since this, I am so big on putting your goals out there and putting what you want just out there mm -hmm. because I told a handful of people that I might want to be a publicist. And then lo and behold, this publicist from LA is about to fly to Canada for TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival. And she needs more feet on the ground in Toronto. And she starts asking around, does anybody know someone that can help me? And two of the people that I told that I wanted to be a publicist recommended me for that job. It was just so lucky. And mm -hmm. so I got on the phone with her. And even though I had no formal PR experience, I had all the social media experience and she figured that was an okay trade. So I helped her and her clients and her films with social media. And she started teaching me the ropes of PR and publicity. And then that we just stuck together for the next couple of years at major film festivals across North America. That's incredible. Perfect moment to fall into. It was um, kismet. <laughs> yeah, it really was. It was like you spoke it into the world and then it fell into place from there. And I think we talk so much about manifesting your ideas and it's really one of those situations where you manifested that idea and you put it out into the world and then it fell into your lap. Yeah, it absolutely did. And it was hard. Like, don't get me wrong. Film mm -hmm. festivals are hard. You're working like 15, actually, can I tell a story? The first day yes. I was, I was so nervous and I was very aware of the skills that I was bringing to the table. And so that put a lot of pressure on, I need to be able to take some really good photos and get some really good hype going on social media, because that's sort of what's paying my way in this relationship. And it was my birthday, the first day of TIFF. And I woke up early and I did my hair and I got, got across town to her hotel and I sat down at my computer and realized my camera bag was empty. And I had, I had forgotten my camera. I just mm -hmm. had my bag and I wanted to play it cool. And I didn't want to tell her that I'd messed up in literally my first five minutes on the job. So I wrote in this Facebook group that has a lot of like Toronto artists in it, uh, do you want to make a hundred dollars and are you free right now? You have to know me at least kind of be an acquaintance of me, contact me ASAP. And then this girl I knew her boyfriend was like, Oh, Hey, like I'm up. What's up? Cause it's seven in the morning. And I'm like, I need you to go break into my house. <laughs> and I paid him to, and his phone didn't work. So I couldn't even like stay up to date with what was going on. I was like, I need you to get an Uber from this address to this address. I need you to climb the fire escape. I need you to find this key. And turns out the key actually wasn't there. So he fully had to break in through a window, go in, get my camera. This is where it is. Leave, get into the same Uber and come to this hotel downtown <laughs> and then call me from the desk. <laughs> that is 
wild. I have literally no words. I think that's such a wild story. And I'm glad that it worked out for you, but I feel I feel really bad for your house. <laughs> yeah, I don't live there anymore, but he ended up like prying open a window and reaching in with a pole and just, and he's panicking too, because like I said, the key's not there and his phone doesn't work and the Uber's outside waiting with the clock ticking. And so he, he didn't, he was like, I'm, I'm left with no choice. <laughs> and the Uberman's just watching him like break into this house. The Uberman's yeah. probably like, oh my God, I'm an accomplice to a crime right now. Yeah. And he couldn't lock the door behind him because he'd like finagled it open. So he's like, your house is unlocked. I know I'm not going to be home until like midnight. I'm like, so be it. I was not about to be embarrassed on my first day on this job. And then the desk calls and I just so casually go downstairs, pick up my camera, say, what's your email? You transfer your money. <laughs> That's crazy. I remember the first day of one of my internships, I was, it was at, when I was still at school and I was doing a photo internship in our office of like media and communications. And so I just got in my car up at where I went to school. My parents had like just dropped my car off that weekend. So I'm driving to my internship for the first time. I'm feeling good. And I realized, oh my God, I forgot my camera. So I had to drive back home and get it. And I'm like freaking out because I'm like, I can't speed. Like I can't get a speeding ticket. Like my first day that I have my car here, like that can't happen. But I also, I'm like, I don't have like an excuse. I can't be like, oh, the bus was running late. Like that's why I'm late to my internship. Like I don't have an excuse like that. So I'm like racing against the clock to like get home and like get my camera. I literally remember I called my friend and I was like, hi, can you go into my room and just like bring my camera downstairs? Like, please. And then of course she was like, your door is locked. And I was like, oh, that's so annoying. I was like, can you go to the office, ask them to unlock my door? Like, I don't have time for this. But my situation was definitely not as wild as yours. That is absolutely crazy. It's so funny because it's the exact same thing. First day on a job and forget your camera. <laughs> I know. When you started so saying people. that, when you started saying that, I was like, oh my goodness, why am I the same way? <laughs> so now talk about your career now what do you do right so I did uh publicity for a while and I did a lot with Kathleen the publicists and film festivals and then a lot with uh smaller artists and you know I found it really stressful <laughs> so being a publicist is so stressful and it's so fun I love so many elements of it mm -hmm. but I was pretty aware that I wouldn't be able to keep up with that level of intensity and responsibility for, for a long time. I really liked, as much as I like being in control, I really liked working under someone because at the end of the day, it's their project and I'm facilitating that head publicist. I don't need to like carry the world on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. So I worked for a few clients here I still get a ton of referrals for it. So, I mean, if you're a publicist out there, you want some Canadian artists, <laughs> let me know because I, I need places to send these referrals. <laughs> but uh, then social media started really taking off. And now all of the work I do on social media is highly informed by my background in PR and publicity. And I'll work with my clients when press opportunities come up or if I see a press opportunity, I'll add that in as sort of an additional thing that I offer. And I definitely know how to amplify press when it shows up for my clients. But the main thing that I do is we have retainer clients where we manage two of their platforms 
create all their content, create all their marketing strategy and all of that. And then I also teach small business owners how to create marketing, uh, Instagram marketing on their own and how to manage their Instagram in 15 minutes a day through a group program. So I have those two tiers going on. Mm -hmm. So how did you get that started? How did you find your clients? How did you kind of start getting yourself off the ground with that? Right. So if I travel back in time to my very first client, it was after I'd done this fringe thing after I had, or done this theater thing. Uh, and I was starting to become aware of my skills in social media, but I'd never considered it my thing. Now it's my whole thing, but I was doing an energy exchange at a yoga studio and the owner was asking about Instagram and I was telling him what he needed to know. And then he was asked me if I wanted to run it for the studio. And I said, no, that's not something that I do. And then the next week he asked me again, if I wanted to start just taking it over since I knew it better than him. And I said, no, that's not something that I do. I'm an actor. I'm a bartender. I'm not an Instagram manager. And then maybe a couple of weeks later, he, he asked me point blank, no, told me point blank, Jenna, when is a good time this week to come in and discuss your rates for our Instagram and Facebook management? <laughs> so I was like, all right, this is a little bit of extra money now. I developed a pitch. I charged him 300 bucks a month to run his entire online image, which was insane now. And uh, yeah, I just, I kind of got bullied into it. And then I started having the time of my life. I was dragging lighting equipment across the city and bringing in yogi influencers and giving them free photo shoots in the yoga studio and created a contest for a free yoga pass. And I was getting, you know, the staff on board and promoting mm -hmm. different classes and running their Facebook, running their Instagram, taking beautiful photos. I was really loving it. So then I went to the owner of the bar that I worked at and asked him if I could work for them and run their social media. And then I blew that up and then I started getting referrals. So now, I mean, I market, but at the beginning, it was those two, again, sort of mm -hmm. kind of kismet moments. Uh, and then that started generating connections. I feel like your story is really one where everything just kind of fell where you needed it to be. And not to say that it wasn't hard work because it was. Um, but when opportunities kind of just fall in, it's really just like remembering that like, where you are at the moment is where you're meant to be. That's where I've been talking. I've been talking to so many people about that lately. And I think just like remembering like opportunities are going to come to you, even if it's not the opportunity you originally envisioned yourself doing, it's an opportunity and you should take it because it could become something bigger than you ever thought it would be. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny because I don't mind admitting that a lot of this was, I guess, luck because it was also listening. Mm -hmm. And I spent 10 years trying to be an actor and fighting. And like, I promise you, if there's an, a tip that an actor has been given on how to grow their career, I tried that tip. Like I was hustling and I was just really not getting as far as I needed to be. And I was bartending to offset all of it. And then when I shifted and started listening and stopped fighting and started following sort of the energy and where things were easier, things became easier. And then I started working really hard in that direction to get to where I am after that starting place just sort of appeared. Yeah. So something that I was talking a little bit about earlier was like, what did you learn from your musical theater degree that helped you with this, et cetera? 
now I kind of want to rephrase it. While you were in your 10 years as an actor and you were bartending on the side and doing other things, I guess, what did you almost learn from like bartending that you now feel like you use? Like, is there anything? Well, again, with that sort of, I don't have that hustle mentality anymore. And I'm really trying to nurture it out of my system because now that I'm at sort of a a different level in my business, it's really about consistency and work-life balance. And those are the sort of things that I'm working on now, Mm -hmm. but bartending definitely like there were weekends where I would work all night till like, you know, three in the morning. And then I would wake up at 7.30 and go serve brunch from eight to two and then walk right from a brunch restaurant with a key in my hand to unlock the bar to start bartending again. Like if you were keeping count, there was no, there was no sleep in there. Mm -hmm. Like there were times when I literally, one time I ended up in the hospital because I was just working so hard and not sleeping and not eating properly. And all of those things led me to where I am but again none of them were sustainable (laughs) and you and now I've seen both ends of the spectrum how can I structure my week so that I do as little as possible and and like how can I structure my week so that I don't sleep don't eat and die early Mm -hmm. so the reason I asked that question was I think that so many people especially nowadays um with COVID and there being kind of a lack of jobs at the moment and like the job market kind of being a little bit dead um I know so many recent graduates were kind of all in this position of like we're in between graduating and finding a full-time job or finding what we're supposed to do for the rest of our lives and so we're kind of all in this place of like I'm kind of just here what am I doing so something I've been trying to stress to so many people is like no matter what kind of thing you're doing there's always something you can learn from it whether it's you and learning to be sustainable or learning how to time management or anything like that. Or I'm currently working in um, sales at a gym. So I'm learning sales opportunities and things like that. So kind of just being able to recognize that everything you're doing is preparing you for something. You just have to find that preparation. Yeah, absolutely. One time um, I was and I bartended until relatively recently. And it only did I stop because like I was paring back my hours and paring them back. And then eventually I was like, I can't stay up till three on a Wednesday night and then build a business on a Thursday morning. It's just, I can't do it. So I tried just the weekends and then I just couldn't. And then when I let go of that safety net, if you will, or lifeboat, if you will, Mm -hmm. that's when things really blossomed for me. But um, all that to say, I had a friend who had stopped bartending and wanted to go full-fledged into her career, quote unquote career. And someone reached out to her and asked her if she would uh, bartend at a special event. And she was kind of insulted by that because she's been trying to be seen as this person in a career. And here somebody's asking her to bartend a special event. And she said, Jenna, would you do it? And I'm like, friend, how about you go, but you decide 
that you're going to make something out of this. Mm -hmm. You're going to make a quick buck. Sure. But why don't you, why don't you like, just as you're saying, take advantage of this, learn something else from it. It doesn't need to be just an insult. Like we can build off of it. And, and she called me the day before and said, I have a conflict. I can't do it. You have to do it. I'm like, okay, sure. So I was like, well, I'll take my own damn advice. And I went and I decided I was going to serve, but as a professional, as an entrepreneur who happens to be serving and that I would make connections at this event Mm -hmm. and that as soon as I could, I would go out and I would network instead of standing behind the bar. And that's exactly what I did. And I made, I ended up making a connection with a few people, but one of them was another caterer who was at this event, who then started hiring me to come do social media mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would show up and I would go with him to events and capture it all on social media and like network and make friends with people around his station to then get him business and get me business and build his business and it and he's like one of my good friends to this day just from that one event because I decided to go in with a very different outlook instead of thinking I'm a victim here I'm a bartender I'm just going to come in and make my money and leave I was like I'm an entrepreneur who's standing behind a bar right mm-hmm. now Yeah. And I think having that entrepreneurial mindset always kind of on is really important and trying to figure out what you can do in each situation. I think that entrepreneurial mindset is something that people need to learn, but also once you like have it, you know, like I can make this opportunity into whatever I want it to be. Yeah, absolutely. I could have also looked at that night as a party. I could have looked at it as new shoes money. I could have looked at it as like, you know, event management rehearsal, because I feel like as a publicist, you're always managing an event. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's like a bunch of different ways I could have gone about it. So now switching gears to Instagram education and working with others to help them. Tell me more about that and what you do. Yeah. So there's sort of there's the part on why I did it in order to serve my clients and there's why I did it in order to serve my business. So uh, this word was introduced to me, scale, scale your business. And as I'm like, you know, burning the candle at both ends, managing a bunch of social media platforms, trying to clarify my packages and trying to grow this business. um, There's always this word being whispered about like scaling your business. And when you're a one-to-one service provider, it can be really hard to grow your business because you have to be one-to-one with all of your clients. You can only take on so many clients. So in order to make more money, you either need to charge more money or burn more hours in Mm -hmm. your week, unless you can serve one-to-many. So by offering a program, I can sit across from 20 people at a time and teach all of them something. And instead of trading my, I'm no longer trading my time for money. So that was why I did it as a business decision, but on a more personal level, I've always wanted to serve small business owners. I watched my, you know, people very close to me have small businesses, but not have any marketing and not know how to grow their businesses. So I've always wanted to actually, I mentioned going to brain station. I applied and got a a scholarship to go there based on an essay about how I want to be able to serve small businesses. So it's Mm -hmm. always been part of my mandate. Uh, So I can only serve so many businesses at a time and businesses can't always afford to outsource their social media completely. So I figured if I can get all those small business people in a room and teach them everything they need to know on how to market themselves effectively and grow their Instagram and attract their clients, then uh, we can both sleep better at night. And I think that's so great. I also think that 
when people are running their own social media, it's really authentic. And I think a lot of people obviously don't know how to do it. So once you teach them those skills, they're going to be essentially better at promoting their singular social media than you could be at promoting 20 different people on one account. And they know their brand better than anyone else does because it's what they've created. I totally agree. I mean, sometimes your business is going to get to a point where you have to outsource to someone like me and my team. But when you are running your own, there's so much cool stuff that you can do, especially as like a solopreneur and entrepreneur. So the things people need are to learn how to do it themselves, effective marketing language. Who's your target audience? Who are we serving here? How can we reach them? How can we create content? But then the other, the flip side is how can we create consistent posts, multiple Mm -hmm. posts a week without running out of ideas or running out of content. And then small business owners need to know how to run their accounts in as little time as possible because they've got so much else going on. So we don't want someone to get super, super passionate, run their own Instagram for a month and then feel burnt out and exhausted by it and then stop marketing because we need to play the long game with organic social media. Mm -hmm. So you're totally right. And then also they need the skills to do that consistently forever and not Mm -hmm. feel so tired by it. So talking about burnout, something that I think can happen with social media, I know like for me, I was doing a social media internship once and for me, it just became too much. I felt like I was doing the same thing every day and I felt like I was doing so many hours just to post the same content every day or whatever it may be. So working as a social media manager, how do you prevent burnout? And then how do you encourage your clients to prevent burnout? Well, do you mean burnout as in getting tired by the content you're posting or the process in which you post it? Um, I guess the process. So what was your day like when you would, when you were running this internship and you felt this way? So when I was doing this internship, I was working with a team of people and we would meet for literally hours it was I was honestly really I did not enjoy it but we met for two hours three times a week to talk about what we were going to have on the social media that week it was like way too much um um and then we split up the content and then just like go out and like get the photos get the captions do all of that on our own but then we'd get back together and we would sit there and meet again about what we were going to post yeah so One of the things that we really encourage with our students is to let go of perfectionism and let go of honestly giving so many shits because for the most part, my students have, you know, they're either just starting on Instagram or they've got maybe coming up on 10K followers. That's like pretty much where we sit. A lot of like 1,500, 2,000, 2,500, that sort of range. Mm -hmm. And that means that your post is going to be seen by a fraction of those people who already follow you and they're going to see it and they're going to barely pay attention to it unless you capture their attention. And in the best case scenario, that post is going to last about three days based Mm -hmm. on how the algorithm works. So chances are it lasts one day up to three. So I really encourage my clients to just let go, try stuff out, put it out there. If you have a typo, who cares? Like typos can actually help you because you'll generate comments when people correct you. And then you can comment back and say, oh man, how did I miss that? What is, what a silly goose, you know? Mm -hmm. So just really letting go of that. And that means 
we would never sit in, you know, a two hour session on trying to decide what the perfect thing to say is, because in that session, you could have created five times the amount of content and then just put it out there and seen what works. It's a little different when you're dealing with a company that's got 50,000 followers and everything that you say is going to be like really chewed apart and spit back Mm -hmm. out. But uh, for these smaller accounts, it's like, just, just post it, then put your phone down. Don't say anything you're not prepared to defend or apologize for and, and stop taking everything so seriously. Yeah. So now tell me what a day-to-day might look like for you. Okay, day to day this week is I'm using my new the time block planner. Love Mm -hmm. this. Uh, So really working on this. And it's, you know, are you familiar with time blocking? A little bit, but not really. Tell me more about it. So it's just a different way to plan your week so that you uh, spend all your time really intentionally and then everything takes you less time to complete. And it's about really uh, recognizing how much time every task is taking you. And I find that if I don't use this, I can just tinker till the cows come home and that's not really helping Mm -hmm. anybody. Uh, So I'm so morning coffee, time block planner, uh, I dig in, I'm, I'm do a lot of delegating to the team. I have a community manager who runs everybody's day to day on our accounts, but I'll check all our clients' accounts and just pop in and see how everything's doing. Uh, Mondays, I do my own personal marketing. Tuesdays, I have client calls. My week's sort of locked out like that. And right now I'm taking Fridays off because it's the summer. Thursdays, yeah. I write content. That's sort of how my week is always broken up. So out of all the things you do, what is like your favorite part of working in social media? Well, right now I skipped Wednesdays. Wednesdays I teach. I really like that. (laughs) I'm really like, um, I like marketing theory. I like marketing psychology and I like helping small businesses and figuring out the thing that's like keeping my clients stuck and then unstucking them. Love Mm -hmm. that. So that's probably my favorite thing right now. It's also highly creative. So pretty pictures, creative words, creative ways to sell things. And it changes constantly. And by working with small business owners, we really do aim to give them a strategy. And then they just wash, rinse, repeat that same strategy. But small businesses change their change their offerings all the time. It's just the nature of the, the business. So like mm-hmm. I have a brewery and they'll just be like, oh, we launched a new beer. I'm like, okay, great. Like, oh God, <laughs> I ran my head around. There's a new product coming out next Tuesday that I didn't even know about um, because that's how small businesses function, which keeps me on my toes and keeps everything really exciting. Mm-hmm. So now on the contrary of that question, what do you think is like your least favorite part or something you don't necessarily enjoy doing? Here's the thing about being an entrepreneur. If I don't like something, I stop doing it. Mm -hmm. I outsource it, I delegate it, or I eliminate it. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm working on, working on growing the business, right? So if there's something that I resent that doesn't serve my clients, it doesn't serve me. Mm Mm-hmm. I like that. And that's a new answer I haven't heard before. And I think that that's, I think that that's a really good answer. And also knowing when to outsource the work that you don't like doing. Um, and knowing that like you can't do everything. So focus on what you want to do and focus on what you want to enjoy doing. And then give someone else the things that 
maybe they're better at or the things that they might enjoy doing more than you like it. Yeah. And I mean, that's not my answer. That's from business coaches. Like that's a, that's a pretty common, uh, I think thing in the business coaching world. If I had to choose a more like visceral thing that I don't like, it's, you know, I, I, I'm not working in a factory where I just do the exact same motions every day. And then I leave the job and I don't need to be doing the same things and putting those toys together on the factory line and then going home. It's like constantly learning how to deal with new personality types, constantly learning how to diffuse situations and, uh, and get along with new people and problem solve and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing, not being able to ever leave that realm. And until the end of my career, I will never be able to stop learning about that. I mean, I don't love that. It's, it's like, oh, this won't get easier. There will constantly be new personal challenges to face. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's something, but that's also, I mean, why live if not doing that? Yeah, a hundred percent. So now I just kind of have one more question for you and it's considering everything that we've talked about and your whole journey to get to where you are today. If you could do that all over again, is there anything that you would do differently? Well, no, because I was so adamant going back to the beginning about, you know, growing up in theater, fighting to get into an arts high school, deciding I was going to get into that college. Like there was nothing that could have possibly held me back. Like when you pay your fees to go to, to go to college here, you pay like an X number of dollars and that you can apply for three colleges. And then if you want three more, you apply, you whatever. So I was like, I'm going to, it's called Sheridan. I'm going to Sheridan. I don't need to apply to anything else with these other two applications that I have sitting here. And my parents forced me to, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm going, I told you I'm going to Sheridan. And they let in 23 girls and 23 boys at the time. There was no like in between gender, like being approached, but 23 girls out of the entire country. And I was like, well, if I don't, I guess I'll go back to high school because this is the only option for me. Mm -hmm. So there was no, there was no other thing that was, I can't say I would have done it any differently because 17 year old Jenna was headstrong and she'd made her, made up her mind. And I think being headstrong is something important to have. And especially if you want to make it in the world as an entrepreneur, you need to know that you're fighting for what you want to do. Yeah. So thank you so much, Jenna, for coming on and chatting with me about your career, your path, everything you've learned and everything you do. It was so great getting to hear from you and getting to hear your story. Yeah, you're so welcome. And I mean, I know you have a lot of listeners that are in, uh, you know, trying to like bust into this PR world. And I just want to say that when I was trying to do it, I would also read memoirs and like look for people who had done it a certain way. And if I learned anything, it's that there is no map. Mm -hmm. If there was a map, we would all buy it, but there's no map. And so take what you want from everybody's story, but you can't emulate anybody else's journey. You just need to, like you were saying, take advantage of every situation and listen to what's going on. And if you have a dream, like just keep taking every step you can towards it and you won't always get there in a linear way, but just keep, just keep working on it and keep listening. A hundred percent.